listening to our New Chapel podcast. We're for people to connect with God and be raised to new life in Christ. Be sure to connect with us at newchapel.com and on social media to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel. Well, good morning. Is anybody in the room excited about a new series today at New Chapel? Yeah. Well, welcome to the first part of Jesus is greater than, he's over, he's master over our urban legends. And that is to say, there are some beliefs that many of us have, maybe even in the room, that our grandma told us or that we heard or we just understood from a movie or, or culture or context and we build these understandings about God and the Bible. We begin to think that this is true, but they're actually on the same level, level as an urban legend. You guys remember those back in the day, the urban legend tales that if you had Mentos and drank Coca-Cola, you'd explode. I've tried that one myself, and I'm just, just going to tell you, there's nothing to it. But there are urban legends that we have in our faith, and, and my belief is this. It steals from us. And here's what I know. God has something great for all of our lives. Can I hear an amen? amen? And I know that he's got big things. His way is the best way. He has great things for our, our family and marriage and career. He has great things for this church. Yet, I also know that there's a counterfeit out there. I was a tween, almost a teenager, and uh, I was beginning to become very concerned with looking good. You know, I want to look slick for the girls, get my act together. And uh, my sister actually really helped me with a lot of that. I was a little bit of a dweeb, and she got those little plucker things out and the whole deal and helped me make into a real boy. And so uh, I remember being that age. And Jamie, you know, I want to just stop a rumor right now, okay? She is not younger than me, and I'm tired of hearing about it. She old. Jamie's old, everybody. Jamie's six years, 80, 1980 you were born? Did they have the newspaper? I don't know. And so she old. Everybody say it just how I said it. She old. I done made the whole church say you're old. Anyway, they're saying, I didn't say it, pastor. I didn't say it. Well, anyway, Jamie, you know, she was married and, and she had a job and she had a life and it was Christmas time and it was her turn to give me a gift at Christmas. And I got this, this box, it was wrapped up, had a nice bow on it. Jamie always did this bougie, bougie stuff. And, and I kind of felt it, and I was like, I bet this is a shirt. This is a shirt box. You know how fabric kind of flops different inside a box? You're like, mmm. And so I take off the wrapping paper, and there's those famous words that was in my heart. Come on, 2001, Abercrombie and Fitch. <laughs> I like girls that wear Abercrombie and Fitch. No? Okay. Anyway, but I wanted that Abercrombie fish, and I looked up at Jamie, and I said, you shouldn't have. And Jamie says, I didn't. Open it up. And so I opened it up, and to my amazement, covered in a whole bunch of tissue paper, was a VHS copy of the great hit, <sighs> Dr. Doolittle. I'm looking at this, and I'm thinking, what's going on? I mean, I, did I do something to you? Did you hear that I've called you old in other circles? What's happening? And, and I'm looking at this, and it's a counterfeit. I don't want Dr. Doolittle. I love Eddie Murphy, but this is not his finest hour, everybody. Like, and, and I was left down a little bit with all of it. Everybody had a great laugh. But here's my belief is that in this series, what we want to do is we want to show you 
some of the areas where you thought that something was the bona fide thing, it was right, it was wrapped that way, but it was actually a big nothing burger. That some of the beliefs that we have about God or about the Bible, that when you really actually read the word of God, you'll be amazed that's what he said about this, and that I've been living out an urban legend. And it's actually a sensation that's not like, oh, man, I'm, I'm guilty or I'm stupid. I didn't know. It's actually life-giving because it's clarity. And you, you become more and more free in him when you do it. When you live out this life where you're just happy with the urban legend, I will tell you, it's like a Dr. Doolittle faith. There's nothing to it. Which, by the way, there's 104 days till Christmas. Figure it out, Jamie. But... I want to share you some of America's favorite scriptures. Um, this one is big deal. Heaven helps those who help themselves. That's from the book of Second Opinions. Um, you've heard of the book of Mark. Uh, this is Marquise. Um, he's from Lowell. Uh, we're all God's children, all of us. How about this one? Never judge anyone, ever. That's from the book of First Opinions. And then there's a book uh, called St. Rex Hot. If it's meant to be, it'll be, it'll be. You're welcome. And this month, the urban legend scriptures like these, we're going to deal with in a very direct way. Because that's funny, unless you're one of the people and say, well, heaven helps those, it helps themselves. And you get this idea that you can't receive the grace of God. Does that make sense, everybody? And it can rob you. The, the counterfeit to, to the real thing, it is very, very potent. And I would even say this, it's very, very dangerous. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Colossians. Maybe you have a phone with the Bible app, swipe to Colossians. I want to start reading in Colossians chapter 2. Now, the first time I ever read this scripture passage, I was in Dunbar, Wisconsin at Northland Baptist Bible Camp. I was there, and this was, uh, Colossians 2.6 was the verse for the camp. It became my life verse. I'm going to read verse 6, but we'll go through to verse 10. Trek with me in Colossians 2.6. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith as you've been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Everybody look at me for one second. The Bible is describing the Christian life, and it's saying, hey, God didn't call you, Jesus didn't call you to go into all the world to make converts. Yes, people need to get born again, but he said go into all the world to make disciples. And so we need to be people that, yes, we're born again, but we need to be rooted in the word of God. We need to have a real, real uh, structure here. That's why church is so important. You need to be rooted in it. Jesus chooses your church. It says that you need to be built up in him. Yes, to go to heaven, to have fire insurance, as I've heard it called, all you have to do is be born again. That's great. And it is the most important thing. And at the same time, you're going to be a person who's not living a built-up life if you're not trekking with God. He has promises for your family, for your marriage, for your career. God wants to bless you. He wants to take this journey called life with you. It wasn't just, hey, I did some things back in the day, and I want to pick you up when you die. That's it. God has more. We need to be built up. It says be established in the faith. Now, when it says being rooted, my study of Scripture, I really believe it's talking about being rooted in church, but being established in the faith, this is you going beyond Sunday school felt board. Am I dating myself a little bit? Anybody else grow up down in a musky basement? And they got one of those little felt boards with the, with the wise men. And you know what I'm talking about? Smile on a brother when I'm preaching. I'm just try, I'm trying to bring you the word. We need to move past that. 
That's all so good. We need to cut our teeth on that. We need to get into the word and be established so we can help other people. And then it says abounding in it with thanksgiving. In other words, man, you just revel in the word of God. This is where I'm supposed to be. I've got the word of God active. And I'm telling you, when you're a person like that, you're going to be thankful. I've gone through hard seasons in my life, and I found that some of my best friends have been words. So it continues on to verse 8. Beware. Everybody say the word beware. Beware. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy, through empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. Look at that with me for a second. What's happening? The Bible's talking to Christians and saying, listen, this is easy to happen. This is, this is a common thing. It wouldn't tell you beware, Christian, if this wasn't something that, that was a slippery slope, that was an easy thing to get trapped up in, gummed up in. So it says beware. You can be cheated. Philosophy. You know, your school that you send your kids to has a, a philosophy in it, and some of it, less and less as I understand, might line up with the Word of God. And a lot of it does not line up with the Word of God. But they're not just teaching academics, they're teaching philosophy. Academia is a whole subculture in our country. And I will tell you, I'm not against learning or being educated. I am. I can preach you in the corner, suck in your thumb, and confuse you with the Bible. I, like, I have my lightsaber, everybody. Like, I can do it. But God didn't call me to confuse you. He called me to bring you to a spot of freedom and peace, still water, green pastures, yeah? And so, listen, when your school is teaching against what you believe, actively, I mean, really violating your parenting, that's something that can cheat your kids from the goodness of God. Uh, what else does it say? It says that you can be uh, cheated by philosophy. It says that by empty deceit. Empty deceit. In other words, straw man arguments. These are the people that say, oh, the Bible has contradictions in them. Any apparent contradiction is easily resolved in the Bible. The Bible has no contradictions. Hear me on that. But it's empty deceit. It's a straw man argument. They want to fight about something really, really small and make a mountain out of a molehill. And they're really not after the truth. They're after a fight. And we can be robbed by empty deceit. How about the tradition of men? Let me put it this way. You can tell who a visitor is at New Chapel because pastoral staff at New Chapel might have a tattoo and a visitor's likely wearing a tie. You know what I'm talking about? It's just... It, we have this in our mind, and it comes from actually really good things. I want to give God my best. And so my folks, when I was growing up, they wore a tie to church. My grandpa and my grandma wore a long dress. And I remember one time I got out this really cool new hair product called L.A. Looks. <laughs> you know? And I'm trying to spike my hair in the front. My grandpa goes by and says, what are you doing? I said, I'm going with the style, Grandpa. And he says, I ain't the style for church. Wash your hair. And, uh, and they wore a suit to church until the day they died. And listen, there's nothing wrong with that in and of itself. Sincere people decided to do that. But when we make that the qualifier for you to have church, we miss out, don't we? A lot of the traditions that we carry in from our childhood or from our previous church, what happens is you come into a church and you, make, you put expectations on that church to fulfill your denominational background, or, or even if it was a great church. And what happens is tradition ends up eroding away at what you're really here for, community, worship, and to hear a hot word from heaven and to leave encouraged. And so, guys, we have to beware 
of all of that. And then it says the basic principles of the world. Let me put it this way. When I get into those said arguments with the world and they try to contradict Christianity or anything else like that, the only thing that's in my mind is, you basic. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is, this is not a great argument. But sometimes one little point that your sister or brother or extended family or your friend makes about you going to church can take all the magic away for you. I remember when I first rededicated my life to Christ, I'm trying to serve the Lord. I remember I got, I got to a fight with family. And, and I'm trying to do the right thing. And I'm not yelling like I used to, but I, I still was trying to say, hey, this isn't right. And they said, some Christian you are. And it was so basic. It, it wasn't a good argument. And it really, it put something on me. And I'm going to tell you, negative words like that, just like a positive word can lift a negative word like that, death and life's power of the tongue, everybody. And I felt so oppressed by it, like, I, I, like I was doing something wrong. Don't let anybody talk you out of the quality steps you're making today about getting back into church, getting back into worship, hearing about small groups. You're doing a great job. You're right where God wants you to be. Can I hear an amen, church? Amen? And so I want to illustrate this by another fun story. When I was super young, uh, way younger than when I was describing, I mean, probably Jack's age, four uh, I would go over and stay at my Uncle Bob's house. Everybody on earth has an Uncle Bob. Have you ever noticed that? Uncle Bob and Aunt Myrna. And uh, I loved going over there. It was in the country. It was so fun. But Uncle Bob had the forerunner to the man cave, okay? You went down on the scariest steps ever to his basement, and it looked like you were straight up in Hawaii. It was like tiki fabulous all over the place, and then mixed in with all of that are like deer mounts and antelopes and his bare, full-body, horrifying, you know, a bobcat. But the way that he kept me out of his man cave was he showed me this special mount called a jackalope. You see him at the bottom right-hand corner. What, what is a jackalope? Here's what happens. You waste your tag on a little scrawny buck but you're a dude. You might eat the meat, but you can't throw away the antlers. It's like, I don't know, against natural law. I can't do that. And you decide you don't want to decorate them. Well, all of a sudden, you get a wild idea. I'm going to get me a pelt for a rabbit, and I'm going to combine the two together, take it to a taxidermist. And they, they take a rabbit and make him have antlers. Is it real? Yes. Everything you're looking at is real. Antlers are real, and, and that mount is real, the pelt that you're looking at. And my Uncle Bob spun yarns about some wild story, the same way that he tried to tell me about kindling wood being a different leaf than I was bringing, about the jackalope and how it was mythological and it gets you in the woods and all of the fear stories. Don't make me out to be more country than you. Does anybody know what I'm talking about at the church? The problem with all of it, it wasn't real. It was a jackalope. It was, it was a combination of some real things, but it was completely fake. It looked real, seemed legit, but it wasn't. And that can be shown best by our worldview. Write this down. It's not going to be on the screens, but there's a Christian worldview. There's a Christian worldview. Here's what it is. It's God-centered. Why is the Christian worldview God-centered? We believe that God created this world and that we're created. We believe that mankind sinned, that when mankind sinned, we as a people, mankind had a new nature on us, a sin nature, and we needed a savior. Ultimately, God sent his own son, Jesus. He came, lived a sinless life, died on the cross, ratified salvation through a resurrection, and when that happened, we become born again. Salvation comes through Christ. That means 
Heaven becomes our home, not the earth. It means that we're just visitors here. While all of that happens, we realize that God has the answers for life and the questions that we have out of the Bible. It's in his word. Ultimately, we want to be more like him and become more holy. This is God's life, God's rules. It's Christ-centered. That's a Christian worldview. Some of the time we get upset with the world is because we don't understand they're coming from a completely different perspective. What is it? Write it down. The worldview that non-believers have is self-centered. They don't believe in God, therefore they don't believe in creation. Therefore they don't believe in sin. If there's no sin, we're not sinners and there's nothing to save. There is no heaven or hell. There's life here on earth and we should enjoy as much of it as we possibly can. In fact, earth is home. And our feelings should answer our questions. You say, oh, Pastor Joe, the world's not like that. No, 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 no. The same people that have those little itsy-bitsy signs about all the things that they believed in with their virtue signaling, we believe in science, all of a sudden don't, right? They believe in their feeling about science. And when you have a secular worldview, you're not just going to go by what you ta were taught or the data even. You're going to go about your feelings about what you saw. It's going through a filter. Their goal is not to be holy. Their goal is to be happy. It is my life and my rules. Does that make sense to you? Now, here's where it gets tricky. There is a group of people that combine the Christian worldview and the secular worldview. They combine it together. They, they, they use Bible concepts. They use Bible characters even, the Savior out of the Bible, and mix it with cultural values from this world and in this time, and that's what they allow to inform their beliefs. This is the jackalope Christian. It looks real. It looks right. You say, how you doing? Praise God. Bless the Lord. I'm blessed and highly favored. And it, it sounds right, but it's not real. Let me explain about this person. They believe in the Bible, yet they curb their beliefs to fit their school's teaching about origins. They like Jesus, yet they'll tell their unbelieving friend, it doesn't matter what you believe, or maybe their friend from another religion, as long as you're sincere about your beliefs. It's okay, there's many roads to God. Who am I to say? This is the person that's very spiritual when it's convenient. Until I gotta get out of town. I'm gonna act wild. I gotta let my hair down past Joe. We gotta go to that camp where nobody knows me. You know what I mean? This is the person that has both heaven and earth as their home. They got a foot in both. They have beliefs, yet at the same time, they will readily throw their pastor, their church, and even the eternal word of God under the bus with a simple saying, I don't believe that way. Boy, it got quiet in this Presbyterian church. They think God agrees with everything that they reason in their minds. Here's what it looks like. You ready? God's life, my rules. It's a jackalope. It's not real. There's no fidelity in all of it. And here's the truth. They're confused. But the problem is that their confusion isn't limited to them. These people are among us. Not here at all. Anybody. I know. But... They're among us. And so what happens is it ferments in the body of Christ. And this is where you hear preachers talk about an American brand of Christianity. It has fermented, and the confusion is now all over. And so here's what I want to do. I want to deal with one of these concepts today, give you some ideas about it, share some scriptures, and then pray for us. Here's the big urban legend that I want to deal with. Write it down. 
It doesn't really matter what you believe so long as you are sincere. It sounds right. It sounds accepting. It sounds gracious. But I want to show you where it's an urban legend. You know, in our culture, people don't really have a problem with God. Uh, if you go to the locker room after the Michigan win, whoop, whoop, and uh, you go back there, the guys will be like, oh, man, I just want to give it to the big man upstairs. You know, like they're talking about God in the locker room. Or you'll see some of the most moral people on earth, the people in Hollywood, and they'll get to their award shows. And they'll say, I just want to thank God. Without his power and presence, I couldn't be here. You know, like the world doesn't really have a problem with God or even spirituality. You know what they have a problem with? One name, Jesus. They got a problem with Jesus. Now, what I've been just blown away by is that even though they have a problem with Jesus, the, the, the great academics of our time in academia, they still acknowledge that he existed, that he lived. They don't deny that, that he was a historical figure. They don't even deny that much of the Bible may be exact quotes from what he said. It even uh, kind of messed with me a little bit more when I, when I realized that people in the world, they actually like his teaching. Oh, Pastor, they don't like his teaching. Oh, no, they do. He talked about giving to the poor. Uh, he, he preached messages where in the Beatitudes, he, he began to preach about, uh, uh, you know, love, bless, do good, and pray, and forgive, and, and, uh, and, and all of these concepts individually. If you were to talk to somebody in the world, they would go with it. Or if you were to try to give the whole sermon, say it was from Jesus, they'd say amen. But that's not the problem that they have with Jesus. Do you know what it is? Exclusivity. The problem that they have with Jesus Christ is he made statements about who he was and what was going on, that there was no room for you to interpret your way out of it. It was exceptional. And this is what it says in John chapter 14, verse 6. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Oh, there's many ways to God. Jesus would take issue with that. He'd say, there's not only just one way. The way is a person. So, well, listen, truth is relative. It's changing in society. He'd say, no, truth is a person. I am the Lord. I change not. And he's the life. In other words, if you're looking for any element of eternity or fulfillment outside of me, it doesn't exist. That's a jackalope. There's not more than one way to heaven. It is me. Now, it either takes an incredible, I would even say insane narcissist to say those words, or the most incredibly humble person that had ever walked the face of the earth. My belief is it's true. He is the way. It's like, whoop, there it is. Drop the mic moment. Thank you, Jesus. We don't have any questions about where you stand at all. It's Jesus apart from all others. Now, we would have to agree in the room that all religions are not the same, right? I mean, they have different beliefs, a belief structure in them. I'll even give credit where it's due. I believe many of the world's religions have some truth in them. You know, there's something there that they're building on. I would even say that there's beauty in many of them. And I'm talking about their artwork or something like that, you know, but, but hear me, they're not all the same, right? Can we, can we admit that in the room? Let me read for you about Buddhism. Buddhism, there is no God. Uh, there is no final existence or eternity. It's countless rebirth, reincarnation. And the goal of Buddhism is that you would end that cycle and cease to be and become one. Uh, Hinduism, there is an impersonal God, and he's approached through other gods, deities, statues, and idols. Uh, with Buddhism and Hinduism, they don't offer any forgiveness of sins, though they will acknowledge that you're flawed. Uh, they don't offer any supernatural help. 
So in other words, it's not like you're going to help in eternity. Eternity doesn't exist. And further, in the here and now, God's not going to help you. And the only thing that is at play is karma, which people have tried to equate to Jesus' teaching on sowing and reaping. It's, it couldn't be further from the truth because there's no grace. It's literally built on works. And as my mother would say, a quote that I won't mention in church, karma is something. And so Muslim, Muslims worship Allah. He is a personal God to them. There are no secondary gods, and there's a total ban on idols. But your standing with Allah or in eternity depends on religious devotion and your works, your devotion to Allah. New Age uh, religion and philosophies, there is no personal God. The goal is a higher consciousness with the universe or with the cosmos. And this is all in contrast to Christianity, where there is a personal God. He sent Jesus, who loved us and gave us forgiveness from sin, and he gave us eternity in heaven. Now, all religions aren't the same, right? So when you hear the person who's standing outside of any specific religion or somebody in our camp or in another camp, and they say, listen, there's many roads to God. Just be sincere about what you believe. Understand, friend, your belief about something doesn't make it true. And, and the objective person that would be hearing that argument would say, well, wait a second. Ask anyone that's in any of those world religions, and they would say, no, it's not the same. In fact, each one of them would contend that theirs is the only way, yeah? And so to be objective about all of it, we'd have to say that. But then as a born-again believer, I'd have to say, Jesus is the only way. Pretty as that statute is, I, I can't account for the beauty that's found in the Word of God. You know what I'm saying? And so it's a jackalope issue. Now, let me tell you what I'm not going to ask of you today. I'm not going to ask that you accept everything that this church does is right, and I'm, I'm asking you to consider us is the great example. People critique the church all the time, and I say, save your breath. The greatest critic of the church is its pastor. I'm not asking you also to consider the life of any so-called Christian that you're among. The people who are around you are not perfect. They are forgiven. If you get close enough to any one of us, including this one, we will let you down. You'll have questions about us and how we live our life. If you turn on Christian TV, first one might be, why is their hair so bad? But outside of that, I'm not asking you to consider that. Here's what I am asking you to consider. Write it down. Today, I want you to consider the real Jesus. That not all beliefs are the same. That what he said and the proof that he gave in his life point to the fact that there is one way to God. I want to give you three ideas and then let's pray. The first one is this. Write it down. When you believe the ministry of Jesus, you'll experience the power of the ministry of Jesus. You got to believe it first before you're going to experience the power. And guys, I got to tell you that our God is powerful. His ministry didn't end when he ascended into heaven. His ministry is alive and well on earth today and changing lives like you might not even know. I want to read for you out of the book of Mark chapter 2. This is what the Bible says. When the teachers of the law who were Pharisees, pause, these are the religious rulers, the know-it-alls, the eggheads that were trolling Jesus in every move. When they saw Jesus eating with sinners and tax collectors, and they're the same thing, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And on hearing this, they're saying this loud enough to make a show. Jesus can hear everything they're doing. Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. 
Another translation would say the sick don't need a the sick need a physician, not those who are well. Those people who were despised by culture, ridiculed, who were who were labeled by culture, marginalized by religion, those were the people who Jesus loved and accepted and spent time with. What? Think of the woman with the issue of blood, and she gets healed by Jesus. Or think about the woman that was caught in adultery. And she was thrown naked in front of him, and a bunch of religious rulers were trying to trip Jesus up. See, the law and the custom of the day is Jesus, as a rabbi, he had the legal right to cast judgment on this woman. And the judgment wasn't just being like, you know, you're, you're running around with everybody. You're loose. It wasn't that. It was a sentencing to death. The punishment for adultery in antiquity was stoning and that is not 2021 recreational. It's also not what we picture and what I picture for a long time, people picking up stones and throwing stones. Let me tell you what biblical stoning is. A large pit with boulders all around the edge and a person tied at the stake in the middle of it and large boulders were heaved and then the momentum would liquefy the person. That's stoning. She's brought before Jesus naked. And Jesus looks at these religious guys and says, great, yep, we'll do it. Ye who has no sin, cast the first stone. Oh, that's a good one. He didn't escape his duty of pronouncing the way that it should go down, but he spared the woman because she had to have accusers there. And the Bible said from oldest to youngest, they left. So Jesus looks at the woman. I can picture his compassion. Even though he had no natural children, spirit of a father was on him. I can picture him look at this woman, daughter of God, and say, young damsel, where are your accusers? <laughs> Nowhere, Lord. Then neither do I accuse you. Grace, now go sin no more. Truth. Wow. He did miracles in people's lives, forgave people that you would never expect. He opened blind eyes. He healed diseases of the time. He caused mute people to speak. He laid hands on lepers, people that were decaying while they were alive, and they were healed in their body. He turned water into wine, which is still an issue for the church I grew up in. He did miracles. And guys, I'm here to tell you that the miraculous Jesus that walked on water and raised the dead, his ministry is not over. God is alive today. Can I hear an amen, somebody? It's interesting that critics of his day, they didn't, they didn't try to say, hey, those miracles weren't real. They just wanted him to stop what he was doing. And I'm here to tell you that in the sound of my voice today, some of you are miracles. You're living it out. You're alive today, and you know you should be dead for some of the crazy things that you've done. I know people in this church that were once prostitutes and drug dealers that now happily are raising Christian homes and their, their kids and their family all serve the Lord together. I know people in this church who were sick and riddled with disease who have documented healing in their body in this life. I know people who were alcoholics that though they might attend AA, they will tell you they are free indeed and they share their freedom with other people. I know families in this church, not hyperbole or outside this place or for instance, in this church, families that were reconciled together again, that were once falling apart with no hope. I know felons in this church. We're now serving on the go team, pouring coffee, and opening the door for you. Listen to me. 
God in his ministry through Jesus is still on the move. I was a person, yeah, praise God. I'll tell you. I was a person who was so insecure and angry at the world. In the small town that I grew up in, I put on a good show. I mean, every mother wanted their daughter to marry Joe Bevilacqua. They thought I was so upstanding, but I was a hypocrite. And I was angry. And I had doubts about Christianity, real, sincere doubts. I was so cruel to people. Oh, gosh. Think about this one guy. I mean, he was living in sin, but I was such a jerk. I failed. And the people that really knew me, for all the good that I might have been, knew who I really was. And on June 4th, 2004, on a Saturday night, I got dropped off at church because nobody was willing to go with me. I followed a girl in there. That's spiritual. And I heard this sincere, powerful message of Jesus like I never had. I put up Christmas tree and hid Easter eggs. I'm a Christian, but that day, that night, I met the real Jesus and it changed my life. I rededicated and, and, and from that moment on, I've been on fire for God. People will tell you from that season that I have not lit up chasing him because that, <laughs> that Jesus with the beard and the robes and everything, he took my life and he beelined it, buddy. And I tell you, I'm running after him with everything I am. And there's people that attend this church to this day that'll tell you, I knew Joe Bevilacqua before Jesus. You didn't want to know him. He was a jerk. They'll use different language because they also attend here. But praise God. Guys, I'm here to tell you the ministry of Jesus changes lives and reconciles families to this day. And it matters what you believe. Say amen. Number two, when you believe the resurrection of Jesus, you'll experience the resurrection of Jesus. You got to believe it. You got to dive into it before you'll begin to experience that lift. Here's the thing about Jesus. Jesus loves, he loves you, and he hates sin. God ultimately had to make the decision. He had to do something about all of this, and he sent Jesus into this world. And uh, Jesus, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, ultimately went and paid the price for our sin on the cross. The Bible says that when he died, he said, it is finish. Into your hands I commit my spirit. And the world went black. There was violent earthquakes all over the city and the area. A centurion, a Roman soldier, a non-believer said, surely this was the Son of God. And on the third day, praise God, Jesus rose from the dead. He's alive forevermore. I like what Peter said about it in the book of Acts. Acts 3. You killed the author of life. I told you, they were just so backwoods and direct. Peter was just nuts. You done killed him. But God raised Jesus from the dead. And then he says this very interesting line. Look at that with me. We are witnesses of this. He was an eyewitness. There's skeptics, and there's always been skeptics. And what do they say? They say, oh, listen, the, the, the Roman soldiers stole the body out of there. That's what happened. What a Mickey Mouse argument. A, why would they ever do that? They're going to suffer an incredible punishment, even punishment by death for insubordination. So what amount of money did they get to do it? And then how about this one? If they stole the body out of there, all the opponents of the resurrection needed was a body. Show us the body, and all of a sudden the resurrection just floats away, doesn't it? 
So that argument is absolutely meaningless. There were some people that say that the disciples took the body. Really? They took the body. Really put that together with what happened in God's word or even historically what happened to these men. Eleven small town, uneducated, unlearned men, average men, devised the most elaborate and deceptive plan in all of history. And then they pulled it off. And not one of them told off on the other. They kept it a secret. And at the same time that they cheated the whole world in this way, and my question would be like, cheated the whole world into what, a better existence? While they're cheating the whole world in all of this, they, they literally, all of them except one, died martyrs' deaths, tortured as they died. That's what you're saying, and they had the body the whole time? Wow. Who was the guy that doubted, you know? It was Thomas, right? We call him what? We call him Doubting Thomas. We really shouldn't even call him that anymore. He did doubt, and, and he had this interaction with Jesus, but he was restored. Do you know that Thomas went off to the nation of India, and he preached the gospel there, and he was the one that started the seed church in India? Well, the religious rulers of that day got upset like they do and try to silence the word of God. Good luck. They went after Thomas. And they said, Thomas, you either recant your faith or all of us around you. We're not having a stoning. We're having a spearing. We're going to spear you to death. And he said, I'll never, ever recant my faith. He professed faith in Jesus, and he was martyred. We think of that as an old and archaic concept. Did you know, it wasn't very long ago, we had a year where within that calendar year, we had more Christian martyrs that year than we did the previous 2,000-some years combined. Oh, you don't hear about that. We need good news, don't we? Praise the Lord. They were eyewitnesses of this. And Thomas was a person that didn't doubt upon being executed. And now some 2,000 years later, we're experiencing persecution of the church worldwide. And yes, even in our own state, things we never thought we would see again. Why don't we have tons of people that are Christ followers just, just reject their faith and go on a different way? Ah, I was faking it the whole time. It's because they experienced resurrection in your heart. And it's more difficult to explain with words. It's so much more easy to explain with Jesus did it in my heart. Amen, somebody? Number three, write it down. When you believe the eternal message of Jesus, you'll experience his eternal power. The Apostle Paul does a great job with the scripture. It really summarizes some of the thoughts that we've had today. Romans 3.22, let me read this for you. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. Question, church, how are we made right with God? By putting our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. Say amen after that. We're made right with God by our faith in Jesus. It doesn't matter who you are, where you came from. It doesn't matter your pedigree, whether you've been a good doobie or a bad doobie, whether you're a person that's committed a ton of sins or you've been relatively like a pretty moral person just in the world's eyes. God doesn't care whether you've hated Christianity or whether you're a person that's so full of anger and bitterness about God, you can't even imagine yourself in the faith. It doesn't matter who you are. Galatians chapter 1, the Bible says, I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel, this good news that I preach, is not something that man made up. In the Greek, even better. 
This gospel is something that man could not have made up. It's so good that Jesus would go in our place. God Almighty would strip himself of his godlike powers, come as a baby, go behind enemy lines, live this perfect life. It's something we couldn't make up. Christianity is not a religion, friend. A religion is man's attempt to get to God. Christianity is Jesus' success in reaching man. Yeah, religion is spelled D-O. Christianity is spelled D-O-N-E. It is finished. Christianity, friend, is Christ plus nothing. Yeah, I'm preaching better than you. Now, go ahead. Just happy you're back. Christianity, my friend, is Christ plus nothing. It's not Christ plus good works or baptism or membership or, or good works and, and, and membership combined equals good, good doobie. None of it. It's not even you getting rid of bad things or sins or bad thoughts that you have. It's not Christ plus you giving money. It's Christ plus nothing, and that is Christianity. Jesus didn't come to make you more religious. He came to broker relationship with mankind, and he was successful in doing it. Wow. So you have to have the philosophy that because God loves me, I can obey. I can do. It's not to gain his love. Write this down. This is huge. God doesn't love you because of what you do. God loves you because it's who he is. You don't have to prove anything to him. He loves you. It's not if I obey him, he loves me. He loves you despite everything you've ever done. And that's why he said it. And John, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody's coming to God except through me. And so, friend, it matters what you believe. Put your faith in Jesus. He loves us, not because we're so good. He loves us because he is that good. Amen, somebody. Heads bowed, eyes closed all over the room. just want you to have a moment with God. For some of us in the room, God's dealing with you about next steps you need to take, maybe to plug into church, be, be more ingrained in what God is doing through his church. Maybe God's dealing with people in the room about jackalope areas, areas of compromise, or areas where it's just not what it should be. You don't have to listen to me today. Listen to God speak to you. He's going to give you next steps. Because there's no such thing as a Diet Coke Christianity. You want full flavor with this. God, I thank you that you're ministering to people. You're ministering to hearts today. I thank you that you make crooked places straight. Lord, if we made anything wrong, I'm sorry for the thing we made it. Help us live this thing out right before you. God, if there's anybody in the sound of my voice that doesn't know you, help me to find them. In Jesus' name. Heads bowed, eyes closed in the room. If you came to church today, you don't have a relationship with God, or you're unsure about your relationship with God, or you'd say, I'm not right with God. Don't leave here in that condition. In a moment, we're going to pray. And if, if you pray this with us, and here's what it is. It, it's you making Jesus Lord over your life. What does that mean, Pastor Joe? 
Lord means this. You're done being the God over your own life, and you're ready to make him God over your life. Make him Lord. If you call Jesus Lord, the Bible says you'll be saved. You'll have eternity with him when you die. You'll avoid a Christless death. But listen to me. Listen, this is huge. Eternal life doesn't start when you die. Eternal life starts the moment that you accept Christ. So we're going to say this prayer. If you say it like it's poetry or you're reciting something or you're going through the vain traditions of men, you'll leave the same way you came in. But in your heart, if you want to make things right with God, you want to approach him in sincerity, friend, this is your day to make things right with God. Pray this with me, church, out loud and proud. Pray, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross in my place for my sins so I can be forgiven. You raised him from the dead. This I believe. So with my heart and with these words, I confess. Jesus Christ is my Lord. I surrender now. Jesus, I call on you. Come into my life. Forgive my sins. Put your spirit within me. I receive all that you have for me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for making all things new. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give it up for those people that accepted Christ. Hey, louder than that. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Here's the deal. People are cheering and clapping for you if you said that prayer for a reason. They know the freedom that's on the other end of amen. If you meant it, we're celebrating with you. Let us know about your decision. I'm not going to call you down to the front and embarrass you. Nothing like that. There's public things like baptism, and there's private things like your relationship with God. But here's what I want to say. Do connect with us and let us know about your decision. The same connection card that visitors are using or people are writing prayer requests on, you grab that. You can do it online or in person and let us know that you accepted Jesus Christ. God has huge things for you, great things, and the least of which is you filling out that one form. One more time, church. Aren't we proud of them? Great job. Hey, stand up on your feet, gang. Did y'all enjoy the first part of the series? I did too. I like this one. And next week is going to be a blast. Don't forget that next week is going to be New Chapel's eighth birthday as a church. That is going to be so amazing. We're going to have cake for you and your family, other desserts and treats, and I'm going to pray for all of it so it's calorie and carb-free. In Jesus' name. And so don't miss next week. Also, it's going to be a plus one week for all of us. Make sure that you bring somebody with you. This series is only going to heat up. Uh, also, on September 26th, if you're new to New Chapel, uh, you've been coming for a little bit, or maybe your first time here today, on September 26th, after second service, we're going to have what we call our Let's Meet Newcomers Reception. It's an opportunity for you to be able to come back as a new person here at church and really spend time with Kaya and I, the staff, some of our key leaders, and talk a little bit about who we are. It's a no agenda thing. Like literally there's dessert back there and we just want to hang out. Some of you guys are like ninjas. When I say as you go preach, it's like pew, you're out the door so fast. So listen, don't do that on the 26th. Come hang out with me. Let's learn your name and eat some health food in Jesus' name. Also, I want to let you know that our next semester of groups is going to be starting on September 26th. I can't wait for it. I'm going to be leading a group myself. If you'd like to be a small group leader, 
Go to newchapel.com slash groups and let us know about that. Huge deal. We'll be coming out with all of the specific groups and our groups fair in a couple of weeks. And uh, after church today, and there's more information about this over at guest services, we're having a cool like painting class with snacks. And so you can see that painting that's out there at guest services. You guys want to raise your hand? They don't want to raise it. Okay, praise God. It's like, oh, that's a, they're going to be leading us through being able to paint a very cool uh, portrait. They purchased all the paint, the canvases, the brushes, all of that, so that 100% of what is taken in today will go directly towards the matching funds. Thank you very much. And then also, if you want to do that, just go to guest services. I'm sure they'll have extra supplies. One last announcement. I know we're a little heavy on announcements today. Uh, we've seen a lot of things that have happened in our country uh, specifically this week. I want to let you know that we offer religious exemptions to the vaccine mandates that you may be facing by your employer, your school, your university, or any kind of association that you're a part of. There is the right in America to refuse treatment on the basis of religious reasons. And a lot of people have asked in so much that we've got to talk about it. We have 21-page letters printed for you over at Guest Services. If you run out of those, you can go to newchapel.com slash religious exemption. We're very creative with these names, right? And so you can use that yourself and print out at home or send it to anybody that might be dealing with this. You might say, well, Pastor Joe, what's the big deal? I'm vaccinated. Praise the Lord. None of my business. And in kind, your brothers and sisters in the Lord have their own convictions that if they were to take this vaccine, it would be willful disobedience against God. If that's how you feel about that, you should not take it. And so if you want that exemption, you feel free to go take it. Don't make anybody in this world feel like you're some sort of weirdo because you don't want to do something that's against your conscience. That's the best thing I can do as your leaders, lead you towards being a person that lives by conscience. Can I hear amen, New Chapel? Amen. I love you guys. I can't wait till next week. I just kind of want to camp out longer, but you got to go eat. So lift your hands for the blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine on you. Be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And as you go, get out of here. See you next week. We hope that you were encouraged and brought closer to God during this message. You can listen to any of our past messages and series either on this podcast or on newchapel.com watch. And be sure to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel.